our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. I'm going to start this episode a little bit differently and I'm going to ask you a question and it's not the normal, hey, how are you? How's it going? How's your week? Do you not care anymore? I don't care anymore. And quite frankly, I think our listeners don't care anymore. Oh, okay. What's your question? My question is, is what is one unpopular opinion that you have had about money this past year? An unpopular opinion I've had about money? I want to start off with drama. You just want me to like, oh, wow, I've never thought about this. I guess an unpopular opinion I have about money is that during a time like this when inflation is high and everyone's like, save, save, save. Yes, I, I believe in saving, but I believe in having small splurges and small wins. And what is a life if you are putting every single bit of money that you have into a savings account? Once you have your emergency fund, once you start investing, I think it's okay to like go out and spend a little bit of money on yourself. Otherwise, like you just get sad. I do also want to say, you know, we put up a post a few days ago where I was like, splurge on things that connect you to the ground, like splurge on a nice chair, nice shoes. You've spent a lot of money on your mattress recently. And that was like what kind of made me think about it. And someone messaged me being like, oh, maybe not use the word splurge when you talk about it. Like don't encourage people to splurge money on things that connect them to the ground and to me I'm like no I will splurge on a good not that I have but when I will I will splurge on a good pair of shoes that connect me to the ground because there was a time when I was traveling and my toe started bleeding because I was in eight dollar Kmart shoes and if that's taught me anything is is that I need to splurge a little bit more. I think when you said that because for a little bit of backstory and context, I was just feeling a little bit low with my Canadian savings account, just going down, down, down with um, all the money that I'm spending on furnishing this new apartment because we have nothing here. And my mattress and my bed is like the most expensive things that I've had. And Sim said, you know, you really do need to splurge on things that connect you to the ground. And it is the best advice I've heard in quite a while. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. I just feel like it's important. And also, I'm kind of loving this like minimalist environment that we're staying in. Guys, we have in Sonia's, I'm just staying at Sonia's place for a few weeks and it's like bed, desk, slash dining table, 
And that's all we need. Yeah. Slowly but surely, I will acquire more things, but it's interesting how much you can live without. Do you think this will turn you into a minimalist? Probably, because all I think about is like me moving out (laughs) and how I want that process to be as easy as possible. I love that. Now, getting into today's show, we're going to be diving into something we've never done before, which is our own sort of money personalities that we wanted to throw out to you guys. We've had the privilege of talking with so many of you every single day. I had someone message me yesterday and go, you really do reply to everyone's emails and like everyone's DMs. And and while we don't get to every single one of them, we spend a lot of time conversing, which has taught us a lot about the like hundreds of thousands of people out there, but more importantly, the hundreds and thousands of different investing types out there. And we've kind of summed them up into a few. We want to see which money personality type you fall into when it comes to investing, because there are pros to how you might invest, but there's also cons and you might want to know where you fall. So without further ado, let's get into them. First investing personality type would probably be divers. Now, divers are people that have jumped into the share market and didn't really feel like they needed to do too much research. They're the kinds of people that thought, you know what, I'm going to learn better on the go with trial and error as opposed to knowing everything. And these are the people that have said or might have thought, hey, you know what, I like and use Apple. I like and use Nike. I like and use Shopify. So let's just go buy some shares of those companies and I'll learn about how the share market works as I watch my money go up and down. Often they are active investors because they learn from that way of investing and they're trying to individually buy and choose shares. They're probably even gamifying investing a little bit. Now, the pro of being a diver, if this is you, is quite clear to me and it's that you're just getting started. You have not waited and you're making the effects of compound interest work for you because you're the type of person that's a go-getter. You wake up every day at 5 a.m. kidding. You don't have to wake up that early. God bless you if you do. All I want to say with the divers though is that the pros of you getting started can sometimes be outweighed by the cons that come with this investing personality type. And that is that you may miss out on some investing knowledge that might help break down your style better. If you are someone that's like, let's just get into it and you learn on the go, you might learn like maybe 40% of what you need to know, but you might miss out on a lot of the research that comes with investing. And you might realize that, you know, the best gains come from buy and hold investing or from dollar cost averaging as opposed to trying to time the market. So not to say that if you have dived into investing, you don't know what you're doing. I don't want it to come across that way. I think what I'm trying to say is that divers just tend to spend less time on research. They're more doers than thinkers in terms of buying shares that works at the start but if you want to be a good long-term investor I would maybe start spending a bit of time maybe looking at investing news or you know following newsletters or maybe reading a few books if you have the time just to make sure you can look at what's going on in the investing world and go yeah I do have my head wrapped around it quite well. It's funny because when you're talking about divers I think that if they were a dog breed they would be German Shepherds. Yes. German Shepherds, I feel like, have a reputation of being like really powerful service dogs and they think first and 
deal with the repercussions after, which is exactly what the diver is in terms of learning on the go. Now that I've said that, I'm going to associate a dog breed to every single one of these personalities. I'm done. The next type of investor is structural seekers, and these are probably... The kind of investors that you are at the start, I think we were both structural seekers when we began. These are the types of people that get analysis paralysis and you're looking and saying things like, well, what's the best investing app before I begin? You're saying things like, well, how do I actually get started? Or how do I, how much money should I put in every single month? You want to know all the nitty gritty details. You are the opposite of a diver. You want to make sure you understand it first before you even dip your toe. You're not even willing to put $10 into the market as you learn. You will hold off your money until you could probably write a mini e-series on investing. Now, one of the pros of being a structural seekers, when you do invest, you're like onto it. You know exactly how much you're investing, where you're putting your money, how much money you're putting in. You've done all the hard work or the hard yards. So now you're just straight into it and you can almost forget about investing once you've gotten to where you need to be. The issue, however, with this is that some structural seekers are maybe on the more extreme side and they don't end up investing at all because the analysis paralysis is so strong. As long as you have an idea of how much you want to invest, how long you're investing for, what kind of investments you're after, what your portfolio looks like, all your personal finance, you know, foundations are set up. So emergency fund, paid off credit card. As long as all that is done, you are good to invest. Like, I don't think you need a degree in financial literacy. I don't think that's a degree. A degree in economics, a degree in financial markets to invest for yourself. You just need to have the foundations. And we've seen people put off investing for years because they couldn't find the best broker to invest with. And for me, That just tells me that they have so much analysis paralysis that they're willing to miss out on years of compound interest. I would say structural seekers are like the chihuahuas that shake. Like you're the ones that are like, you're so cute. You you can do it. You can jump onto that bed. It is a high bed. It might take you a little bit of time. You might need some steps to help you build up your knowledge or build up your way there. But We just, we shake. And for what? Who's going to hurt a chihuahua? Now moving on to, I like to call them the thrill seekers, the skydivers of the investing world. As a thrill seeker in investing, you would look at your investments as a game. You get off on the adrenaline rush. These are your day traders. These are your people who are into NFTs and trading crypto in high amounts. They are on the hunt and they're on the watch. I'm not saying that they're not doing their research. That's not what this is at all. In fact, I think they're incredibly knowledgeable and they want to be able to time the market perfectly because thrill seekers, they're high risk takers and that means they potentially have high reward, right? So they're very attentive. A dog breed I would associate with this is a Rottweiler. Oh, okay. I was going to say Doberman. So very similar. Doberman as well. And I guess the potential cons is because it's high risk, there's also opportunity for it to be high loss as well. Do you know anyone in your life that's a thrill 
seeker? I have a few friends that like like to invest that way. And I think it works for them because this isn't their life savings that they're investing. This is a portion of their investment. And I do believe you can be like 90% one type of investing style. And then 10% of you is a thrill, thrill seeker where you put a little bit of money into those things. Even coins, for example, people want to put money into those, you know, and trade them over time. I do see them as Rottweilers. It's so funny, though, because when you do meet a Rottweiler, they're actually kind of tame. And then there's a few of them that are like, they just surprise you. I would not say I'm a thrill seeker by any means, but I can imagine like saying that 5% of me is, is any part of you. I really want to be a thrill seeker. I think when we, you know, do our investing updates or investing goals at the beginning of the year, I'm just like, I would really like to diversify my investments and kind of branch out to what I've always been doing. So the want is there. I think with thrill seekers as well, would you say there's a few cons that come with them? 100%. So one of them, as I already mentioned, it is high risk, potential high loss. But also I feel like when you're a thrill seeker, because you're so for what you're doing, you potentially could convince or encourage your friends and family to follow the same strategy. And that's not going to be the right decision for them, but you're maybe just so excited with the rewards that you're getting from this way of investing that you're like, no, you have to do this to like your friends and family. And that could potentially not be the right path for them. I think thrill seekers have the, I guess, I don't want to say the ability, but thrill seekers have the tendency to really For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win, win, win. To learn more about how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. Sell you on the rewards and kind of just showed that aspect of it rather than the cons and like the time it takes to you know time everything I think that's a big I think that's a big con I completely agree it's just so crazy that our energies can rub off on people but they really do and sometimes it's just being aware that you have influence I would say another con that I've noticed amongst thrill seekers is that sometimes we do let our emotions get in the way of how we invest because I mean thrill seeking in itself is a very emotional experience and so you're going to find that most often than not you will be using research and will you will be using you know your logic 
there have been times where even I have invested and my bank called me up and they were like, are you sure that you want to invest this amount into this like website? And I was like, yep. And they're like, do you understand the risks of what you're doing? And I was like, yep. It was because they wanted to check to see if it wasn't like a fraudulent event as well. And they're like, do you understand like the pros and cons of crypto? And I'm glad they did that, but it was also 1am, which is probably why they called me because they're like, what are you doing at 1am? As thrill seekers, you sometimes do take it a little bit too far emotionally. The other investing personality I want to talk about is actually a direct contrast to the thrill seeker. And I like to call this the Nana investor. If you've been listening to us for a while, you might have heard throw this out there to me in particular. But the Nana investor is you've got an investing goal, you have your auto investment set, you are happy to let it do its thing thing until the time where you review your money plans and you may be more conservative with what you do. You may be investing in ETFs and managed funds. And for example, you might every month just put into an ETF and you don't look at it for quite a while. It's not a secret that me Sonia is a Nana investor. And I think the pros of this is that it is definitely less time consuming. It's easier to have emotional discipline because I'm attached to my goal, not how the stock market is doing on a daily basis. So it's kind of easy to disassociate from the emotions. And I guess the waves that people ride as we go through turbulent times and It gives me confidence because like, I've taken the time to review it every quarter for me personally. The cons of this, I would say that I don't look at my investments as often as I should. I think I'm still on a learning journey of how often do I look at my investments and sometimes I think I'm like, I'm just going to leave it and then I leave it a little bit too long and I might be missing gains or like I might be losing out on more than I should be because I'm not reviewing it as often as I should. I think that's a huge con. I think another con that comes from being a Nana investor, because I'd say we're both Nana investors. I know we joke around about what we are. Don't give me that face. (laughs) Sonia just like pulled a face at me. I would say that majority of our money both goes into the same funds, the same amount every single month. And then I will still read a lot more here and there. But the con that I've noticed with being a nano investor is that you almost forget about it. And you forget that it's a part of your life. And so the goals that you might have sometimes also get pushed to the side because let's say we're both aiming to retire early. Let's say our goal is to retire before 65. When our investments are being put away every single month that we don't really notice, you sometimes forget about those goals as well, as opposed to maybe the thrill seekers, as opposed to maybe the, you know, divers, those people that are more active, have a more active view on their goals. And I think we almost let those goals slide by. I talk a good game about money and personal finance doesn't have to be boring and it doesn't have to be serious, but me being a nano investor and maybe I guess disassociating with my investment portfolio a little bit for the sake of peace of mind um, and emotional discipline or what have you, I think it kind of subconsciously enforces that this is not the best thing to deal with or this is not the most fun thing to deal with and that's why you're not dealing with it and it just puts it off even further. What kind of dog do you think a Nana investor is? 
I was going to say a Bernese Mountain Dog. Do you know what? I agree for two reasons. One, because they are your favorite dog. So I just, I think I associate them with you. But two, they're just so like calm and fluffy and at peace. And I think that's what Nana Investors aim for. They're just oblivious and they're gentle giants. Yeah. So I'm happy with that. There's like all this yap, like you're at the dog park. There's all these little dogs yapping, my dog included. And the Bernese Mountain Dog just sits there at peace smiling, ignoring the noise of the market. Now, if you're at home and you are just not sure what kind of investor you are, let me just give you a quick rundown again. You have the divers. These are the people that invest early on, but they don't often take into account a lot of maybe the investing techniques or styles that might really work for them. Then you've got the structural seekers. These are the people that won't invest until they understand the perimeters of investing. But the con of that is that you get a lot of analysis paralysis, which is honestly where a lot of our community were when they started. Then you've got the thrill seekers, the people that invest in individual companies, NFTs, crypto, forex trading. They go out of their way. They are the pioneers that will go and research the new ways to invest. They're very enthusiastic. They will have Web3 on their LinkedIn bios. But the cons of that is that sometimes they can encourage the people around them to invest in the same way, which might not always work for them. And then you've got your Bernese Mountain Dogs, your Nana Investors, the people that take their time when it comes to investing, but also have understood how to invest. They're boring, they're old, they do not care for the changes in the market. And God forbid you try to talk to them about Web3. It's not going to work. I think this is a great time for me to interject and say there is nothing wrong with being any of these four. We're not pitting them against each other. And your risk profile is going to be so personal to you and that's okay. It's going to be based on your circumstances. You know, if you have kids, if you have other obligations, if you're looking after your parents, your lifestyle, if you have a mortgage, if you're renting, if you have pets, if you travel often, and it's going to also depend on your investing goals and your goals for the future and what retirement looks like to you. And that's different for everyone. I think it's easy to get caught up in, oh, I don't have this much in investments or I'm not as thrill-seeking as this person and they've got such high rewards. I think tie yourself to your goals and just remembering that everyone's at a different stage of their journey and they're making decisions personal to them. So there ain't nothing wrong with your risk profile. And that is if someone is a little bit more of a structural seeker and they're wanting to be a little bit more of a thrill seeker, how do you think they go about doing that? I was going to say the one actionable step that I want to leave people with is decide which one you fall into right now. If that's not the place you want to be, decide where you want to go. So if, for example, you are structural, but you want to be more of a thrill seeker, what are those steps? Well, I would say they are looking at why you're not willing to take more thrills. That's probably going to be around risk profile. It's probably going to be around goals. So if you can decide, well, hey, I want to be someone that takes more risks or I want to be a nano investor, write down why you don't feel like you're there yet. Just three reasons. You know, you're scared of the risk you're taking on. You might not have as much money at this stage to take those kind of risks and maybe you don't know where to start. That's three points that you can then dive into further to get to where you want to go. There's nothing wrong with being any of these four traits, but if you've listened in and said, well, I am one of these and I don't want to be that, are, I guess, 
homework for you is to try and see what you can do to change it. Um, but I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Now, if you want to learn more, head over to girlsatinvest.com. Check us out on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Just, you know, wherever you love to learn, have a, have a go. We've also got an amazing newsletter that I don't think we plug as much as we should. Someone messaged me the other day and they were like, can you just plug this a wee bit more? Link in the description to join our weekly stock market tea. Um, otherwise, we'll see you next week. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Alrighty, till next time team. Bye.